0: We're in Acts, Acts chapter 25, and we've, we started this journey back in June of 2019, going through Acts and stopping through the different letters that he's written, but where we left off briefly last week in chapter 24, he was in Caesarea, and the governor of the area was Felix at the time, and he basically left him in jail at Herod's palace for like two years. And if you remember, Herod's palace is like this luxurious place because the Herod that built it was the great Herod the Great, the architect. And it had swimming pools and everything else, and it's really nice. I will be there on Saturday looking at Herod's place. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, so he's left there, and his friends are able to visit him and the governor's not doing anything with them because he doesn't want to deal with them. So, think about this for a second. It was 58 AD, now it's spring of 60 AD. Paul has been in prison for two years and he has thoughts of dying. Like, I'm going to be killed. I've got a friend uh, that's in the same boat right now. Just trying to encourage him and walk with him that uh, he's going to be alright. God's got him no matter what happens. And so, and get to this part, and I think about Paul just he's sitting there for 2 years not knowing what his future is although al- although if he trusts god which i know he does because he's he's been all the way through he knows that he's going to be okay he knows he's been promised by god because you remember if you go back to acts chapter 23 verse 11 when he was basically taken into captivity it said jesus appeared to him and it said Jesus stood over Paul and said, Have courage, for as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to testify in Rome. Jesus said, I'm going to get you to Rome. But he's in prison in Caesarea, and he's got thoughts, you know, the power of sin just working on him, just constantly pummeling him about thoughts, about is this thing going to really happen? Am I going to get to Rome, or am I going to die at the hands of my brothers, the Jewish brothers? Verse one it says three days after Festus, so Felix was the governor. He's no longer the governor. Festus is now the governor. It says three days after Festus arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. Festus knew how important it was for him to get along with the Jewish leaders and he, vis- he he lost no time whatsoever in going to Jerusalem and visiting with them and paying his respects. And of course, at the same time, the leaders there in Jerusalem, they wasted no time in saying, hey, we need to deal with this Paul issue. Like, he's bad, and we're ready to get rid of him. The new high priest at the time, now in 60 AD, AD is Ishmael. He had replaced Jonathan, who had actually been killed by Felix. This is all world history. And Ishmael is now wanting to resurrect this plot of getting rid of Paul. Well, now Festus has come to town, and we need to broach this subject one more time. Verse 2, it says, The chief priests and leaders of the Jews presented their case against Paul to him. And they appealed, asking for a favor against Paul, that Festus summon him to Jerusalem. They were, in fact, preparing an ambush along the road to kill him. Festus, however, answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea, and that he himself was about to go there shortly. Therefore, he said, let those of you who have authority go down with me and accuse him, if he has done anything wrong. Now, I sit there and think about that. Was that Festus's wisdom that occurred there? Or is that just the Lord protecting Paul? I mean, what actually took place there? Obviously, he's like, we're not going to take him to Jerusalem because obviously they're going to ambush him and kill him. I think it was the Lord protecting Paul. Verse 6, it says, When he had spent not more than eight or ten days among them in Jerusalem, talking about Festus... He went down to Caesarea. The next day, seated at the tribunal, which in some of your translations it will actually say judgment seat or the Bema seat, where he was able to be the judge, he commanded Paul to be brought in. And when he arrived, the Jews had come down from Jerusalem, stood around him, and brought many serious charges that they were not able to prove. There was no evidence. Accusations were flying, but there was nothing to back them up. Then Paul made his defense. Neither against the Jewish law, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I sinned in any way. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, replied to Paul, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem to be tried before me there on these charges? (laughs) They want you let's just go to Jerusalem and let's settle this. Will you go there? Paul's sat there for two years. He's like, if I go back to Jerusalem, I'm a dead man. He says, Paul replied, I'm standing at Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. I have done no wrong to the Jews as even you yourself know very well. If then I did anything wrong and deserving of death, I'm not trying to escape death. But if there's nothing to what these men accuse me of, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. He said it. I appeal to Caesar. He pulled out his Roman card. I'm a Roman citizen. I don't want to be judged by them because I'd probably die if I went there. And... I. I'd rather be judged in a Roman court. He claimed that every right of a Roman citizen, that they were due a just trial. He knew his fate at the hands of the leadership of the the Jews that he would have probably been killed. But if he goes to court in Rome, he is protected. So with one statement, really with one statement, he paved his way to safely... And to safety, and and I guarantee the Sanhedrin that's standing there is like going, ah, oh, he said it. We can't get him. We can't get him. He pulled the Roman card on us. Verse 12, it says, then after Festus conferred with his council, he replied, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. Now Festus, being the governor of that province, of that area, to Rome, he's got to write a letter, a criminal report, and send it with Paul to Rome so that he can be judged by the emperor Nero. Like, it's got to be detailed. Here are the charges against this man and why we are sending him to Rome to be judged. Yet he's going, I, I don't have anything to charge him with. He hasn't done anything wrong. There's there's no proof. It says, verse 13, several days later, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived in Caesarea and paid a courtesy call on Festus. I believe that Festus knew that Agrippa was coming to town. Now, Agrippa is actually Herod Agrippa, and he's the grandson of the Herod who had all the babies in Bethlehem killed. You with me? He's, he's actually the son of, of Harold who had James the Apostle killed in Acts chapter 12. So he comes from this line of pretty evil men, but we're very well, well schooled in Jewish law it's Oscar day, Academy Award day, this would make a great movie, but you you think about his dad, Herod, he died in such a great way. Acts chapter 12, 23, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm chasing a rabbit here. But Herod, Agrippa's father, it says at once an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. That'd be a great movie scene. You died by eaten by worms. But that was his dad. And he's, he's young, this King Agrippa, he's young, and he's with his sister. The fact that his sister lived with him created another problem, a great deal of suspicion about incest. And the law clearly condemned it. You go back to Leviticus. But Rome had given Herod Agrippa... This jurisdiction over the temple of Jerusalem, and it was logical that Festus just share what Paul's plight was with him, because maybe, because he's so familiar with the Jewish customs, traditions, and temple, that they might, between the two of them, be able to come up with charges that he can write in this letter to send with Paul. It says, verse 14, since they were staying there several days, Festus presented Paul's case to the king, saying, There's a man who was left as a prisoner by Felix. When I was in Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews presented their case and asked that he be condemned. I answered them, that is not the Roman custom to give someone up before the accused faces the accusers and has an opportunity for a defense against the charges. So when they had assembled here, I did not delay. The next day, I took my seat at the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought in. The accuser stood up, brought no charge against him of the evils that I was expecting. Instead, they had some disagreements with him about their own religion and a certain Jesus, a dead man Paul claimed to be alive. Uh, that's, That's critical. A dead man that Paul claimed to be alive. Since I was at a loss in dispute over such things, I asked him if he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding these matters. But when Paul appealed to be held for trial by the emperor, Nero, I ordered him to be kept in custody until I could send him to Caesar. Agrippa said to Festus, I'd like to hear the man myself. Let let me get face to face with Paul and hear his story. Tomorrow you will hear him, he replied. Now, Herod, he's obviously very familiar with Jewish laws and Jewish standards, and he lived in the area and he dealt with those situations already. I'm thinking that he might be able to help Festus. He's thinking that. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and entered the auditorium with the military commanders and the prominent men of the city. Now, this same accusation has been around for 2 years. It's been going on, they've been saying we got to get Paul, we got to get Paul. He's all these charges that they have no proof for. Everybody in the area knows about Paul and the plight that he's in. It, it's not like just all of a sudden thing. They all came. You've got the Roman soldiers there, you've got all this The King Agrippas brought his people with him. They're all standing around watching this soap opera. Like, how is this going to play out? What's going to happen to Paul? Just as much as you are interested in what's going to happen with Paul. Acts 9, verse 15 says this, But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument, to take my name to the gentiles kings and israelites i will show him how he how much he must suffer for my name this quote was from the lord to ananias to go save saul who became paul the prophecy now has been fulfilled in acts chapter 9 it says He's my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. He's about to fulfill prophecy. When Festus gave the command, Paul was brought in. Then Festus said, King Agrippa and all men present with us. You see this man? The whole Jewish community, they all kind of like, yeah, the whole Jewish community has appealed to me concerning him, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he should never live any longer. I found that he had not done anything deserving of death. But when he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. I have nothing definite to write to my Lord about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa so that after his examination is over, I may have something to write, for it seems unreasonable to me to send a prisoner without indicating the charges against him, just as you would expect. You get into chapter 26, it says this, Agrippa said to Paul, you, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and began his defense. You know, like, all right, everybody chill out. He says, I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I am to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially since you are very knowledgeable about all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. This is about to become Paul's longest speech in the whole book of Acts. He's getting ready to give his defense all the pomp and circumstances going on in the room I'm sure there's like distractions everywhere and it's like uh, me doing a wedding when I'm standing there before the couple and they've got all these thoughts going through their head and they aren't listening to a word that I'm saying you know what I'm talking about Nobody out there is listening to a word I'm saying. They're just looking at everything around the pomp and circumstance. It's a great day, da-da-da-da-da. And I say to the couple, now I want you to listen to me. I need your attention right here. This is exactly what Paul's doing. King Agrippa, listen to me. First of all, he declares that he's a Pharisee. He says in verse 4, all the Jews know my way of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own people and in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time. And if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. My dad was a Pharisee. I'm a son of a Pharisee. And now I stand on trial because of the hope and what God promised to our ancestors. The promise are twelve tribes. Oh, he said the twelve tribes. The twelve tribes hope to reach as they earnestly serve him night and day. King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. The same hope that they have that they're looking forward to is what they're trying to kill me by. Why do any of you... In the Greek form there, that you is plural, and he's looking around, and he's looking specifically at the Pharisees. Why do any of you, you got Greeks, Romans, Sadducees, Pharisees, but he's looking specifically at the Pharisees. Why do any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? Like, you you're accusing me of saying Jesus was crucified and that he was resurrected. The Greeks and the Romans and the Sadducees, they don't believe in resurrection, but you do. The Pharisees believe in a resurrection. Why are you pinning this against me? In fact, I myself was convinced that it was necessary to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I actually did this in Jerusalem, and I locked up many of the saints in prison, since I had received authority for that from the chief priest. When This is when he was Saul. When they were put to death, I was in agreement against them. In all the synagogues, I often punished them and tried to make them blaspheme since I was terribly enraged at them, I pursued them even to foreign cities. He said, remember this, we talked about this last week, I am the chief of all sinners. Because that is the time in his life when he's referring to that statement. There's nobody worse than I am. As Saul. And then he talks about seeing the light. In verse 12 he says, I was traveling to Damascus under these circumstances with authority and a commission from the chief priests. King Agrippa, while on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those traveling with me. Paul was blinded for three days before Ananias came. he lived, he's saying... I lived in spiritual darkness as a Pharisee. I walked in religion, the law, that it it was intended to kill me. He didn't realize what he knew so well was this instrument for him, the law, was there to cause him to see that he needed a savior. He didn't realize it. And then all of a sudden, the blindness is removed and he's able to see the light. He's able to see the grace of God. And everything that he had been taught all his life, religion, he now saw it from a different perspective. Listen to me. He didn't give up on the law. He didn't throw the law away because the law was used as a tutor for him to see that he needed a Savior and it was going to be the same thing for other people. He still believed in the law. But he didn't need the law anymore because now he had a Savior. He had the Holy Spirit living inside of him. The Holy Living God inside of Paul He went from this blindness, which represented his life as a Pharisee, to actually seeing that now he's got life to the fullest. Full of grace, hope, faith, love. And then he talks about hearing this voice. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic, which is what the Jews spoke. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. It's like an animal that's being prodded along and it just keeps bucking like, don't you know? I asked, who are you, Lord? He's telling this story to all the pomp and circumstance in the room. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. But get up, And stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant, a minister. The intent of that was to be called the under rower, that would be the servant on a galley ship. He was a Pharisee, an honorable leader. And now, all of a sudden, he's going to become a subordinate worker. He says, to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. Ha. He's telling this story and his people are right there in front of him. He's like, I'm going to rescue from your people. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from the darkness to light, Hmm, just like he was, and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. He just presented the gospel to the governor Felix and King Agrippa and his sister Bernice. Every time Paul was in front of somebody, Big time or not, he was presenting the gospel. He was saying, You can be rescued from religion and come to salvation, just like I was. And then Paul talks about him, he was not going to be disobedient. So then King Agrippa addresses him directly I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Instead, I preach to those in Damascus first, and to those in Jerusalem, and in all the region of Judea, and to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works worthy of repentance. For this very reason, the Jews seize me in the temple, and they're trying to kill me. What do they have on me? It's because he's trying to equate the Gentiles and the Jews together. They're mad. They don't belong with us, the Gentiles, with the Jews. They don't get what we get. He needs to be killed. And so Paul talks about, I'm doing the same thing today. He's like, to this very day, I've had help from God. And I stand and testify to both small and great, saying nothing other than what the prophets and Moses said would take place, that the Messiah would suffer, and that as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to the people and to the Gentiles. He said it. He said it. He said the word Gentiles, and the place went nuts. That's all he said. To present light to the Gentiles, and they started... Paul and the apostles, you think about it. All they had was the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament like we do. So what did they use to prove their point and to teach the good news? They used the Old Testament. They used scripture to lead people to Jesus. Look at Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6. He says, "He says, it is not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob and restoring the protected ones of Israel." I will also make you a light for the nations. Not just the Jews, but the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. He's literally going back and using the Old Testament, the Old Testament saying, the prophets that you believe in, Moses, everybody, Isaiah, they said that it's going to be available to everybody, to all nations. How can you deny this? And yet you're getting mad at me for not only giving the gospel to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well? <laughs> Watch this, at verse 24. It says, as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus exclaimed in a loud voice, You're out of your mind, Paul. You're crazy. Too much study is driving you mad. And Paul's literally saying the same thing to them. It's like, you guys are crazy. It's right here in the scripture. I'm just quoting Isaiah. But why? why would Festus say that? You're out of your mind. How could the governor plead ignorance after what he's just heard? You realize that when Jesus was on trial, the, the Sanhedrin was involved and so was the governor, uh, Roman governor Pilate. Jesus of Nazareth had been a famous public for at least three years and these crowds have fallen. How could Festus not know this? there had to be some kind of understanding by Festus. Because if you really think Paul's crazy, you're going to send a crazy man to Emperor Nero? A crazy man comes to Emperor Nero, and he's like, why did you send a crazy man to me? He didn't really think he was crazy. I honestly think Festus was being convicted. But Paul replied, I'm not out of my mind. Most excellent Festus. On the contrary, I'm speaking words of truth and good judgment. For the king knows about these matters and I can speak boldly to him. He's speaking to Festus, but he's like, the king knows. Agrippa knows. I can speak boldly. He knows all about the prophets, he knows the Jewish traditions. For I'm convinced that none of these things has escaped his notice. Since this was not done in a corner, everybody knows about Jesus. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. <laughs> He's pretty much putting Agrippa on trial now. Do you believe, right? I mean, ha. How could you say no with the Sanhedrin standing in front of him? King Agrippa's got to have this great relationship with the Jews, and the Jews believe in the prophets. How's Agrippa going to say, no, I don't believe that? Then all the Jews would turn on King Agrippa. Paul's literally become the trial lawyer here and putting them on. Agrippa said to Paul, are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? I've had that said to me so many times in my life. Are you trying to, like, win me over? Festus, he's already dismissed Paul by calling him crazy, but Agrippa's saying, do you really think that I'm going to come to Jesus over your little testimony right here? You think that's what it's going to (laughs) take? Paul says this, I wish before God, replied Paul, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you, but all who listen to me today might become as I am, except for these chains, that everybody in this room can have what I have. Paul's passionately, passionately presenting this message to Festus and to King Agrippa to hear his words to come to salvation To a point where they're both pretty uncomfortable. And they're probably looking at each other and go, we just need to end this escapade. The king, the governor, Bernice, and those sitting with them got up. And when they had left, they talked with each other and said, this man is not doing anything to deserve death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been released if he had not appealed to Caesar. Like, he's not guilty of anything. We're kind of between a rock and a hard place because he's already appealed to Caesar. So now he's going to Rome no matter what. Could have been freed, but he himself said, I appealed to Caesar why would Paul put himself in that situation where he doesn't have a choice? Because Jesus said, Paul, you're going to go to Rome. And Paul knew he was going to get a free, protected ride to Rome. I want to, he, how many times do he say, I want to come to you Romans, I want to come to you Romans, but I can't right now. For some reason I'm being stopped. I can't get there. I can't get there. Jesus says you're going to go to Rome, and now he's like, oh, this is how I'm going to get to Rome. With all the pomp and circumstance. It's not as easy as you think it is. The last two chapters are about Paul getting to Rome, and it's a rough ride. You guys, this is the deal. Right here. What you just witnessed Paul saying to King Agrippa and to Festus was, the gospel is simple as it gets. Jesus is the Messiah. He came, his blood was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. He was buried. He rose again. He's sitting next to the right hand of the Father and now he sent this Holy Spirit to live inside of you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And as much as we want to make it so much more, oh, you got to do these things, you got to pedal faster, you got to pedal harder, you got to do all these things, No, just simply believing that Jesus is the Messiah is all it is.